You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Okay. Children are great, and it's so fun to teach them. Um, But it's also fun to teach adults. And so uh, I have some announcements that I have. I have some announcements to share with you about some teaching that we're going to be doing. Um, Do you know we have Sunday School for Children, and we've been having a Sunday School class for adults as well. Greg Hanks has been teaching a class on Romans, but that's going to end at the end of this month, at the end of January. And we're going to start something new in February, and we're going to call it ACE, Adult Christian Education. And this is going to be also known as, it used to be known, or formerly known as Sunday School. But we're going to start this class, and this is a class about leadership. Now, you may be thinking, oh, well, I'm not a leader. Well, if you're thinking that, then this class is for you. And some of you may be thinking, well, I am a leader, but I just need more help to learn how to lead better. Then this class is for you, too. And so I'm going to be teaching this class along with two other teachers. Uh, Dixon's going to be helping me, and Greg's going to be helping me. And we're going to start this class the first Sunday of February. And the class is called Leadership Essentials, and it's going to be taught from this book. And in this book, we're going to learn the foundations of leadership. And this will be so important because we'll be doing Bible studies here. We'll be sharing with each other. We'll be talking about our church, how we can make it stronger, how we can make it better, and how you can be a part of it, how you can share. And some people serve very quietly, and you're not seen. Other people serve very noisy, like me, and very visible. But wherever you are, God can help you to be a better servant. And this will be a foundation for us for discipleship. It's going to be a foundation for us for leaders in our church and servants in our church. So you're all invited to join us. If you are interested in this class, you may not be sure yet if you're going to do it, but if you're interested, I want to be able to give you some more information. And so over on the table right over here is a book you can look at it and also a sign-up sheet. And so if you're interested in learning more about this class, um, I invite you to please Sign up over there at the end of service today. Let us know that you're interested, and we'll get you some more information so you can make a good decision. Well, the next announcement that I have is that I want to encourage you to have a real Bible. And we've been talking about this since I came in September, is that a lot of us use digital Bibles on our phones or tablets, and that's okay. Uh, But I think, personally, it's great to have a paper Bible, a real Bible. And I also think it's really important, if you don't already have one, to have a good study Bible. And so I want to tell you just real quickly four study Bibles that I think are excellent. If you don't have a study Bible, I'd recommend one of these four. And the first one is called the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. This is actually one of my favorite study Bibles because it doesn't give you the answers. So a lot of times you have a study Bible, and at the very bottom, it'll tell you what the verses mean. Well, this one doesn't do that. What it does is this one guides you to other verses in the Bible from that verse that you're looking at so that you actually learn how to study the Bible on your own. You learn how to find other Bible verses that teach about the same thing, and then the Bible teaches the Bible, and we learn God's Word that way. So I highly recommend this one. It comes in many different versions. It comes in King James, comes in NIV. I think it also comes in New American Standard and ESV. So whichever version you prefer, this is a great Bible. The second one is the King James Study Bible, the Holman version. Uh, excellent study Bible. Uh, the Holman notes are really, really good. 
And if you like the King James Version, this is an outstanding study Bible. The next one is the one that I probably use the most, which is the NIV Study Bible. Um, it gives you just great understanding of Scripture, great introductions to the Bible, outlines the Bible for you each and each every book, and also gives you very good and helpful study notes with cross-references. And then the last one that I'd recommend is the Life Application Study Bible. And this one also comes in, I think, King James, NIV, um, and New American and so a uh, new living translation as well. So I highly recommend uh, this one if you like to like have application. How do I apply God's word? And so there's four of them. If you're rich, buy all four. If you're not, just choose one and uh, then bring it with you to church. And you can write in it. You can, you can um, highlight it when you're, when you're here and you'll have a real Bible. Now, if you don't want to use a real Bible and you want to use your digital Bible, um, we want you to remember when you come to always put it into Jesus mode. And so this is a new icon for Jesus mode. You see a, a peaceful dove around the airplane. And uh, that means that it's going to be very peaceful in here. Your phone's not going to buzz. And when you're going to be in Jesus mode, you don't have to look at Facebook or anything else that'd be tempting. Um, and so you can study God's word with us there. And so those are my announcements. Um, regarding God's word and what's coming up with ACE and also study Bibles so that we can begin the study of God's word. And today we're going to begin uh, a study through the whole book of Ephesians. And we're going to do that after we pray. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the children. We thank you, Lord, that we've been able to be together as a family today, and as a body today. And as a family with children, it's very easy to see that there are generations around us. There's a younger generation, our generation, and an older generation. And each one is so precious and important. And we need to have God's word to give us stability, to teach us how to live, to give us encouragement, to help us to know what to do, to help us to have peace, to have joy, to have hope. And Lord, when we look at our children, we want that for them so badly. And so Lord, we have to be good examples to them. And so we pray that by your power and by your spirit, you would grace us with the hunger and a desire and a thirst for you. Lord, we know that you don't force us to come to church. You don't force us to pray. You don't force us to read the Bible, but you do encourage us, you do invite us, and you do inspire us. And so, Father, we pray that, that today you would help us to be inspired, to know as we begin the study of Ephesians that indeed life is about Jesus. And the more we understand this, and the more we live it, and the more we apply the truths of God's word in this way, we find out that Jesus is for us and that he loves us and that he'll fill us and guide us, teach us, and make us whole. So Lord, help us today and the coming months as we study this book, this wonderful book of Ephesians. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you all got some pretty cool Christmas gifts, I'm sure. Um, but one of the coolest Christmas gifts I got is this one right up here. It's a little hard to see, but it's a sculpture by a painter. 
His name is Thomas Kincaid, and it's a sculpture of the life of Jesus. So sort of keep that in your mind, but at the very bottom um, is, a, is a sculpture of Christmas, of Jesus, with Joseph and Mary and the baby in the manger, and you have some shepherds there. And so this is the beginning of the life of Jesus. But as you go up this sculpture, you'll see Jesus healing someone, like we talked about with the children today. Jesus healing those who were lame, that were blind, those who had handicaps, but also his teaching and how he loved children. So that we see that in the middle. And that incorporates the body of Jesus' life on earth, his, his ministry years. But then at the very top of this sculpture, we have the cross on the right, reminding us of why Jesus came, that he didn't come just to be born, but he also came to die for us. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And so the very top, the highlight of the sculpture is Jesus' ascension back to heaven. And so this is a a Christmas gift that I, I so appreciate and love because it reminds me when I see it of the whole life of Jesus. Now, you are here today because of Jesus. You may not think of it that way, but you are. And for those of us who maybe grew up in the church or have Christian parents, we may ask ourselves, well, what chance did I have, you know, of being anything else but a Christian? And what is it about Jesus anyway that makes a difference in my life? And and for some of us who have been Christians for a long time, we can also forget, well, what is it to be a Christian? What does it really mean for me to have a life that is in Christ? What, What... What does Jesus want to do in my life? What does God want to do in my life? Well, Ephesians answers that question. Ephesians tells us why Jesus matters. Ephesians is going to teach us why Jesus Christ is so vital to a whole life. And then it also is going to tell us, number two, how to apply it. Because that's what's so important. We can have lots of head but if we don't apply it, then it's not really useful to us. And so Ephesians is going to teach us why Jesus matters, and then Ephesians is going to teach us how to have a life that matters. And so we're going to start our study now in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to begin with verses 1 through 6. Would you stand with me and read these verses? We're going to read them out loud together. And so in honor of God and his word, Let us read this together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Amen. Please be seated. The Bible is about God. And when we read the Bible, we need to remember that God is the subject. God is the subject of the Bible. God is the subject of what we just read right here. A number of years ago, um, I went to a seminar, a one-week class. It was taught by Eugene Peterson. 
And Eugene Peterson is the author of the paraphrase Bible called The Message. And he taught a whole week on the book of Ephesians, and I went to that class. And one of the things that he taught us was that God is active in the world, and that God is the subject of Ephesians. By being the subject, what he means is that God is the one performing the action. So when we read the Bible, God is the one who's orchestrating all these things that are happening. But God is not only doing this outside of the world as if he had some magical powers to stay uh, far away from it, but instead God personally gets involved. God is active, he's the subject, but he personally gets involved. And he personally gets involved because he wants to be relational, because God is a person. He wants to relate to us. And so the, the joy, the power of the Christian life is when we have this relationship with God. And therefore, when we have a relationship with God, we are in touch with our creator. We know the purpose that our maker has for us. And so as we read through Ephesians, we see that God is the subject, that he came to earth, that he's relational, that he wants to make a difference in our life, and that he's purposeful. But it's not a dry and tedious purpose. It's a joyful purpose. And so there's energy and action in our lives. And God wants us to know that he is working something very good in our lives. Like children, when they're little, we'll ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And they'll have all kinds of answers about things that they do. When the Bible, God asks us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer for each of us as we go through the book of Ephesians is I want to be more like Jesus Christ. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to grow up and look like him. I want to grow up and act like my Savior. So what God is doing in the book of Ephesians is he's teaching us how he's forming us and how he's transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. How God is transforming us so that we can be more like his son. And so as we look into these verses, in these first six verses of Ephesians, we're going to see that God is active. We're going to see it through the verbs that we find in this passage. And so as we read it, we see the first verb is that God has blessed us. God has blessed us in Christ Jesus. And that's in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The word blessed comes from the word eulogy, which is when we hear eulogies, like when we go to a, a funeral memorial service, we hear good words about somebody. Eulogy means good words, but in the Bible here, what it means is words that God pronounces. It's words like an edict, like God says, this will be, let there be light, and there is light. God blesses, and God announces to us what he's going to do. So God's going to bless us. He announced to us blessings in Christ. In the very beginning, God wanted to bless us. Would you read with me Genesis chapter 1, verse 22 and 23? Let's say it together. God blessed them and said, and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. So God blessed Adam and Eve. 
God gave them everything they need for life. But we know that Adam and Eve sinned. They took the fruit. They disobeyed God. They chose to be away from the blessing of God. And we've all done that at some time in our life, just like we talk to the children that we sinned. And there are problems in life. And all of us go through problems. Some of us right now are going through very difficult trials. And we are losing things in life. And we don't see a way out. Probably the the person in the Bible that most demonstrates that to us is Job. And scholars think that the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And that kind of makes sense. Because it talks about pain and suffering. Which is from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve. But does that mean that God doesn't bless us anymore? No, it doesn't. Because the Bible tells us that Job was restored by God. And the Bible says the Lord blessed the later part of Job's life more than the first. Well, wherever you are in life right now, the next tomorrow is the later part of your life. It's the the part that comes after this one. And we can look forward to the later part of our life, to the next day that God's going to bless us that God is going to bring something good to us. And so if we look through the book of Ephesians, we're going to find countless ways that God blesses us. But from the very beginning of verse, of verse 2, we see the first two blessings of God. They are grace and they are peace. Grace is God's forgiving mercy to us. Grace is God giving us things that we don't deserve. Grace is God giving us Jesus to die for our sins. Maybe you've seen this acronym before, grace. Can you say it with me? What is it? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's just a very good acronym. That God's riches to us, as we see here, all the spiritual blessings that God wants to give to us are in Jesus. But they came because Jesus died for us, because he suffered for us because he was crucified on the cross for us. They came at Christ's expense. But God offers to us grace, and we're going to be learning so much about grace as we go through the first two books of Ephesians. God's grace is what saves us. God's grace is Jesus. But grace gives us other gifts afterwards. When we have the grace of God in our lives, we also have peace. And that's what Paul is writing to the Ephesians about, God's grace and peace. Dr. John MacArthur just defines peace this way. He says, it is the smile of God as it reflects in the hearts of the redeemed, the assurance of reconciliation through the blood of the cross, true spiritual wholeness and prosperity. Peace is what happens inside of our hearts. Peace is what's reflected in our hearts as we know Christ. That's what God wants to give to us. He wants to give us peace. Everything that God wants to give to us now on earth in this relationship is in Christ. And so as we look at this passage, we're going to see throughout that there is in Christ or in Jesus Christ um, multiple times. In these first six verses, it happens four times. So you can look up there and you can see at the end of verse 1. In Christ Jesus. At the end of verse verse 3, in Christ. At the beginning of verse 4, in him. And at the end of verse 6, in the one he loves. And so these are the six verbs that we want to look at. That what does God give to us? 
He gives us so many things, but they all happen by being in Christ. The word in is a a preposition. And what it means is that it's a fixed position that we have in the person that we're connected to. So in this case, we have a fixed position in Jesus. We have our place with him. We spend our time with him. We are with him, and he is with us, so we are in Christ all the time when we're a Christian. And so God wants us to know that as we are firmly attached to him, God is going to give us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every one, verse 3 says. Not just one or two, not just most of them, but all of them. And the Bible says, how great is that? He says, it's even going to come from the heavenly realms. And that doesn't mean just heaven. It's more than that. It's everything. It's the whole domain of all the cosmos, of all that God has created. God is in full control. And it is from all of the heavens that God is going to bring to us all of his spiritual blessings in Christ. This is what you and I can look forward to. This is why living for eternity is the best way of living in a temporal world that we have today because we begin to experience the blessings that are eternal now. We get to have life now, not just life after we die, but life while we're alive. And so Jesus has come so that God can thoroughly bless us. That's the first verse. The second thing is that Jesus has come to show us that God chooses us. God has chosen us, and he's chosen us to live a life that is holy and blameless. In verse 4, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How long has God been thinking about you? Do you think God's just been thinking about you since you were conceived inside your mom? Or maybe God was thinking about you when your mom and dad were first married and he knew that later on you would come from them. Or maybe God was thinking about you when your parents were born, each of them, because he knew that they would meet each other and they would have you. Or maybe God started thinking about you when you had your, grand, your grandparents were born because they would have your parents who would have you. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that God's been thinking about us before the creation of the world. Blow your mind. You know, they all, you see it on the commercials, right? You know, God's been thinking about you before he made earth. God was thinking about you before he made the stars. God has been thinking about you and me before he ever made the universe. That's how much he loves us. And he chose us, the Bible says. He chose us so that we would live a good life. And this life that we're called to live, the best life, is a life that is holy and blameless, says Paul. God wants us to be holy, The word holy means to be pure. It means to be set apart for something special. In the very first verse, verse 1, we read that Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to who? To God's holy people. 
Same word, holy. Some of your Bibles translate it to the saints. And so the word saints simply means holy. God wants us to know that he looks at us as saints. God looks at us as though we are saints. Now, we tend to think like, you know, St. Augustine, right? St. Augustine, he was just great. God, God blessed him, and he's just a, a wonderful person. And we tend to think that saints is sort of reserved for very high-ranking Christians. They're very smart Christians. They're very holy Christians, but it's not true. God looks at every believer as a saint. So we have St. Peter right here sitting in the front. Okay, we have St. Vivian and St. Steve sitting here right in the front. Wow! I mean, do you want to, like, bow down to them? No, no, they're just like you. You are a saint if you are in Jesus. But that sainthood comes with a purpose, and that purpose is to live a holy life, to live a holy life that God wants us to live because we were chosen by him. The Bible says that we were adopted by God. I was in another class, and one of my classmates, a young lady, um, we were sharing our life stories. And so she shared that she was adopted as a little girl, and she was so loved by her mom and dad. She was so taught by her mom and dad that you are special because we chose you. We chose you. You weren't just an accident. You didn't just happen. But we chose you, and we love you, and we always will. And she was just so excited about that growing up. She said she was so excited that when she looked at other children, she felt sorry for them because they weren't chosen. They were just an accident. They just sort of happened because mom and dad got together. They weren't chosen. She goes, but I am special. Well, that's what you and I are. We are special. Look to the person on your left, your right, and say, you are special. <laughs> Look to the person on left, your right, and say, you are chosen. You are special, and you are chosen. And you've been chosen in him who is Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? You have an, um, an a insert in your bulletin, would you pull it out? And it says, who I am in Christ. There's some wonderful books, and you could just look up the author. He has all kinds of books, and almost all of them are on this theme of who we are in Christ. His name is Neil Anderson. You see his name there at the bottom. And in most of his books, he has his chart. And he wants to remind Christians of who we are in Christ. And so he breaks it down into three sections. He says, who are we in Christ? Number one is I am accepted in Christ. Number two is that I am secure in Christ. Number three is that I am significant in Christ. I want us just to look at the first two of each of them. Because I am accepted in Christ, why is that? Number one in John 1.12, it's because I am God's child. So you are God's child. You're not just the child of your parents. If you're a believer, you are God's own child. And not only are his child, but John 15, 15 tells us that we are Jesus's friends, that Jesus is our friend. We all want friends. We all need friends. 
And our best friend is Jesus. The second section is I am secure in Christ. Romans 8.1 tells us that I am free forever, forever from condemnation. When I become a Christian, my faith, by God's grace, places me so secure in Christ that because Jesus died for my sins, Jesus took all that condemnation on himself so that there is no condemnation for you and me. We are forgiven in Christ. That doesn't mean we should sin. That means we should be holy. Because God has done so much for us that we want to live for him. That Jesus, who was perfectly holy, was condemned for our sins. But now we are forever free from condemnation. And Romans 8, 28, a verse that we, if we've been a Christian for a while, we've probably heard and we all really hold on to, especially during those hard times. Because verse 28 of Romans 8 says, I am assured that all things work together for good that all things work together for good, that God's going to use the things of our life and he's going to make something good out of it. We may not know what it is. We may not understand right now. We may be in a lot of pain so that we can hardly even see the future, but God has promised us that he's going to work all things together for good in Jesus Christ. The third section is I am significant in Christ. I'm significant in Jesus Matthew 5.13 says, I am, the, I am salt and light of the earth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But Jesus also said that we are the light of the world. And God has made us as salt to give flavor to the world and as salt to be a preservative in the world. And God is using us as light to give light in dark times to people in this world. Now, John 15.1 and 5 say that we are a branch of the true vine. We are connected to Jesus. We are connected to him. We are in Christ. So I encourage you to, to keep that list in your real Bibles um, and to look at it often, to remember who you are in Christ. We're going to be talking about that through this series in Ephesians, but who we are in Christ. We have been chosen by God. We have been adopted by God, and we are to be holy and blameless. We are to live good lives for God. We are to live a life that pleases God. God has chosen us for this purpose. The third verb is that God has predestined us. He has predestined us. God has positively predestined us. Now, some of us may have certain opinions of what predestination means, um, and, and those opinions that you have are, are fine, but you need to, and I need to, compare them to Scripture. Um, and typically, people sort of put one side predestination, the other side free will. Um, my own personal view is that, it's, that both are true, okay? But it's with predestination. It begins with predestination. But how does God predestine us? Why does God predestine us? Why does God choose ahead of time? what to do. In verse, the end of verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5 tells us, it says that in love, he predestined us. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. God has adopted us. Remember, he's chosen us in love. He's predestined us. And predestined means to mark out beforehand. To mark out beforehand. To know with certainty that God's 
chosen us. What this does is it takes us out of the driver's seat of life. We can trust our life to God. God is the driver. God is in control of our life. He predestined us. It also means that it's pretty big. The God of the universe chose you. He thought of you before you were born. The one who has made all we could ever see, the eternal one, has chosen you. That's a big thing. We should not think small about our lives. We should know that because we are predestined, we are predestined for greatness. Not fame, but greatness. God has predestined us so that we would do things in this world that would bless other people, help them, and bring glory to God. It also gives us comfort because God chose us, because God predestined us, that God will take care of us. One of the reformers that's sort of famous for predestination is named John Calvin. And when John Calvin preached about predestination, he did so with the idea that he wanted to give comfort to his people, not scare them, but to give comfort to his people, to know that they were chosen by God. And therefore, being chosen by God, they could be secure and they could have peace and they could have hope and they could be free to live a life the way that God wants them to live. Well, how does God want us to live this predestined life? How does God want to live this life of bigness, of greatness? How does God want us to live so that we do the things that we were made for? Romans 8, 29 tells us. Would you read this with me? Let's say it together. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So why did God know us? Why did God predestine us? This verse tells us, it's really simple, to be like his son, to be like Jesus. God wants us to be more and more like Jesus. God wants us to know that our lives can be changed. I know a family um, who adopted a little boy from Asia, I believe it was from Hong Kong, and they adopted him out of an orphanage. And they tell us that when they brought him home, his little boy, and they would have a meal, that at the end of the meal, they would see him take the leftovers, like the bread, and he would stuff it in his pockets, and he would take it to his room, and he would hide it. And why would he do that? He did it because when he was in the orphanage, there wasn't enough food. And for them to survive, they would have to steal or take or hide food from the other children so that they might have enough. So that even though after he was adopted, he still had the same behavior. He still had the same habits. But was he adopted? Yes. Was he free now? Yes. Would all of his needs be taken care of by these parents? Yes. But his mind was still as an unadopted one. And sometimes this is what happens in our lives. We, we don't remember all that God has given to us. And we can fret and we can worry and we can hoard or, or we can get distracted in life thinking we have to do other things to earn God's approval or we have to do other things to take care of our own lives. But see, that's the pre-adopted life. That's the life back in Asia. But the new life is at a banqueting table. 
The new life, the new adopted life, is the life of every believer who sits at the table with God as their father, who takes care of all of our needs. God takes care of all of your needs. Everything, everything God takes care of because he loves you. It's a positive thing that God has predestined us. Now, we're going to talk, too, about free will. But right now, what's so important to understand is that God predestined us. He chose us, even before the foundation of the world, to be adopted, to be his very own. And that's very, very special. And that helps us then to live with the force verb, which is so important, something that we all want, and that is to be accepted. We all want to be completely accepted by people. We want to be accepted just the way we are. And verse 6 tells us, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It's hard to see that there in that translation. So if we look at the literal words here in verse 6, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, God's grace, in which he did make us accepted in the beloved. And this word accepted actually has the foundations of the same word grace that we see there at the beginning of verse 6. Remember we talked about God's riches at Christ's expense. God's grace comes to us because he loves us and he accepts us. But it also comes, as it says there in verse 6, to the praise of his glory. Why has God made you and why has God made me? He made us to live for the praise of his glory. How many of you have ever been praised for something? Wow, only a few of you? I'm sure all of you have been praised for something. Remember, like you were really, really little, and mom and dad saw you walk, and they go, oh, you did so good, you did so good, and you're like, eh, you know, and then you fall down, they go, oh, boom, boom, you know, get up. You know, and then they get up and come here. And they walk and they go, oh, good, 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 good. They were praised. And then you began to read, right? And go, what letter is that? You go, A. I don't know what letter they use in Asia, but, you know, A here in the United States. And you say, A. You go, oh, very good. You get praised. And then you go to school, right? And what do your parents want to see? They want to see that first letter of the alphabet, right? <laughs> The A. They, well, remember, that was the first letter you ever learned. That's why it's so important, right? And so they see an A there, they go, oh, A, 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 But then they go, oh, shoo, they're A minus. There's an A minus. What's wrong with you? How come you didn't get an A? You go, Mom, Dad, it's an A minus. It's still an A. Well, in our world, and you know what I'm talking about, right? is that our world is going to find our imperfections. Our world is going to look at things where we aren't perfect and just tell us, you know what you need to do? You need to get straight A's to be really acceptable. Or you need to have a new hairstyle to be really acceptable. Or you need to have a new car or a certain car to be acceptable. Or a certain house or a certain size of house or a certain neighborhood of the size of the house where you live. Or you need to have more money or in the church, you need to serve more. You need to know more of the Bible. You need to pray more. And all those things, God says, no. 
None of those things make you more acceptable to me. See, I'm already excited about you. I was so excited that I thought about you before the creation of the world. I have accepted you before you were even thought of. I was by a human being. I, I accept you before the world. I accepted you before your mom and dad. I accept you just the way you are. You are accepted. And as you go out into the world this week, I want you to remember that. That you are accepted by God if you have received the gift of Jesus. Now we are going to talk more about what that means too. But I know that most of us here have accepted that gift. We've received that gift that God has offered to us. But the only way we could ever have received it is if God had prior to that given us all these things. God has blessed us. God has chosen us. God has accepted us because he's predestined us. And these are all wonderful promises to you and to me so that we could live like Jesus, to do the right things, to be holy people, to be a blessing to others. And we don't do it to perform. We don't do it to get more brownie points. We don't do it to be more accepted by God or by other people. We do it for one reason and one reason only, to give God glory, to give God praise, because we're so thankful. We're so excited. We're so grateful. We're so happy that God loves us this much. Because it is, it's all about Jesus. And the more and more that we realize this, and the more and more that we live like this, the more our lives become just like his. That's what I want. And that's what God wants for all of us. Let's pray.